0: All right, today is part two in our series on anger. Uh, the writers of Scripture have a lot to say about managing anger in a God-honoring way, and we're gonna look at more of that today. I wanna make this as practical and as clear-cut as I can, and I wanna start with a statement from Proverbs, Proverbs sixteen thirty-two: He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit, than he who captures a city. Now, this is a remarkable statement. I mean, think about those who are portrayed as the mighty in our society. I mean, just think about who we see on TV. Like big, strong football players are portrayed as mighty. Uh, CIA operatives like Jason Bourne, uh, rulers like Jon Snow. You know, these are not poster boys for anger management. Movies we see in our day are mostly angry heroes chasing angry villains. Uh, The writer of scripture says, put a mighty warrior who can capture a city on one side and a person who's developed patience and can deal well with anger on the other side. Ask who the hero is and it's no contest. Taming a hostile city is nothing compared to taming a hostile spirit. The true hero is the one who can subdue and rule his or her temper. That's heroism. Here's something interesting I learned with anger. Uh, People have a hard time taking responsibility for their anger. Uh, Even our language reflects this. If we get really mad, we say something happened to my temper. What do we say? I lost my temper. It just gets lost. It just got away when I wasn't looking. You know, Jesus was teaching on anger and uh, I want you to notice the progressive nature of anger here. This is what Jesus said. You have heard that it was said to people long ago, you shall not murder and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with a brother or sister will be subject to judgment. The word angry here is the, the word used for a slow burn kind of anger. And then he said, again, Anyone who says to a brother or sister, raka, is answerable to the court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Uh, Raka is an ancient Aramaic word that literally meant empty head. uh, You idiot. You worthless piece of scum. I mean, it was to express contempt for someone. Now, last time we looked at some basic truths about anger. Uh, Anger is physiological arousal, uh, we said that when you get angry, you experience your blood pressure going up, your uh, pulse pounds, your, uh, you get prepared for action. It's a form of bodily power. It's a form of energy. And I wanna say something just to clarify one one other thing about anger. Uh, Jesus is not saying don't be angry. It's a good thing that you have the capacity to get angry. That's a good thing. Maybe you grew up in a home where people pretended they never got angry or never experienced anger. Maybe you grew up in a home where people just uh, stuffed it or they avoided talking about it. Maybe you grew up in a home uh, where you learned, like, I should never experience anger. And if you did, that meant you were a terrible person. So just to be real clear about this, it's good that you have the capacity to experience anger. It's part of the ability to live with passion but you need to know this, most of what the writers of scripture have to say about anger falls into the category of warning and caution. The vast majority of statements about anger in scripture are warnings because you were not intended by God to live in an extended state of anger. Anger is kind of like having a, a smoke detector around the house. It's a, it's a very good thing to have. And when one of them goes off, when it starts to beep, it's a signal that something needs to be fixed. You know, maybe there's smoke coming from somewhere and that actually needs to be stopped. Maybe the battery is low, so the detector is beeping for no urgent reason, but the detector is still in need of being fixed. It's a good thing that we have smoke detectors. Um, But the purpose of a smoke detector is not to live with smoke detectors constantly making noise and then to learn to enjoy it. The purpose of a smoke detector is to warn you that something needs your attention. Anger exists to tell you something is wrong and to move you to action. Anger exists so that you would be motivated to make the anger go away. Anger exists so that you'll be motivated to fix what needs to be fixing so that you don't have to live in a state of anger. Your body was not made to live in a constant state of emotional tension. Now, it's not easy to do this. Maybe you grew up in a home where uh, there were people who were abusive in their anger. Uh, Maybe you lived with a spouse who who was abusive. Maybe you've been treated with great unfairness at work. And it may take some work, but you were not intended to live in a permanent state of anger. And today, in the time that we have left, uh, we're gonna walk through five steps to manage anger. If you can master master these, you really can become a master at dealing with anger. So five steps. And I'm going to give one word and a picture for each one of these just to make them as memorable as possible. The first step sounds very simple, uh, but in fact, it's often very difficult. And the reason it's difficult is that anger is kind of uh, an arousal. And as you get angrier, as the arousal level goes up, people suffer from what psychologists call cognitive incapacitation. You just can't think straight. Anger produces what might be called the Jim Jim Carrey effect. As you get mad and madder, you get dumb and dumber. So the first step is stop. In a single word, just stop. When your inner gauge reads red hot anger, delay your response. Just delay your response. Just stop. You need to buy time. When you get fired up internally, the first thing you need to do is allow your body and your emotions to cool down so that you can behave intentionally instead of just going on autopilot. And the writer of Proverbs is clear about this. Proverbs 14, 17, a quick tempered person does foolish things. When your inner gauge reads red hot anger, stop. Just stop. Now you may need or want to physically leave the situation where you are and go somewhere until your emotions are out of the red zone. A guy by the name of Daniel Goldman has found in his research that men, when they get really furious, you know, so they can't see straight, they're in a rage, they wanna leave. You know what they often do when they leave? They get in the car and drive, which makes me think twice about having my 16-year-old daughter on the road. A better idea would be just to go for a long walk. But the key is to just stop and just cool down. Now, this is very important. A cooling down period will not work if you use that time to pursue an angry, uh, inducing train of thought. Like if you just rehearse the reasons why you're so angry, you'll only get more and more angry. So you need to find a way when you stop to reroute your thoughts. And I just wanna give you a couple ideas on how to do this. First thing, memorize Proverbs 14:17. A quick-tempered person does foolish things. Memorize scripture, like memorizing scripture is one of the most fundamental practices for growing spiritually. It's not about showing God how many verses you can have memorized. It's about training your mind. It's about rerouting your thoughts. When you have a verse of scripture memorized, you can use it to meditate on that truth from God's word and allow that to uh, shape your thinking. When anger surfaces, you stop. And you reroute your thoughts so that the truth from scripture, a quick tempered person does foolish things, uh, is retraining your mind. And you begin to think now, like now, what would it look like if I reacted quickly to this anger? Like what foolish thing would I do that I would regret later? And when you meditate on scripture you allow god's word to to shape you and prevent you from reacting to the anger and potentially doing something foolish another way you can stop a train of thought is by having another thought in mind Uh, for instance one of the aspects of anger is that it makes us feel like we're absolutely right and we're absolutely justified in doing anything we want to do to hurt the other person So a very good thing for someone experiencing anger would be to say, I could be wrong. Like maybe you haven't said those words for a long time. Maybe you need to practice saying them right now. I could be wrong. I'll give you some homework this week. Find some reason to say those words, I could be wrong, at least once a day, every day, between now and the next time we meet. I could be wrong. Now here's the main principle this first point when anger is rising when your gauge reads red hot first of all just stop and refuse to to do what you used to do that does not work refuse to do what you used to do that does not work don't go on autopilot don't explode don't uh, uh, clam up don't withdraw emotionally don't disengage don't pout don't uh, give little verbal jabs when you recognize anger be aware of what's going on inside of you and as you're doing that the first step is just stop just resolve and you know you can make that decision right now just resolve that you're not going to do what you used to do that does not work all right so that's number one stop number two the second step is ask and the symbol here is a question mark Uh, Ask two key questions. Those who are able to manage anger do this intuitively. You know, I found people who are gifted at managing anger well ask these questions and they may not even be aware that they're asking them. People who don't manage anger well never ask these questions. Okay, so once you've stopped, the next step is you're gonna ask two questions. The first question is, why am I angry? Why am I angry? And here's why this is important. Anger is not a primary emotion. You know, in colors, there are three primary colors and all the other color combinations are made up of those three colors. Well, anger is not a primary emotion. Anger is generally the result of hurt, frustration, or fear. Anger is generally the result of being hurt, frustrated, or afraid. So if I wanna deal with my anger constructively, First, I need to step back and I need to ask what's underneath my anger. Otherwise, I'm dealing with the surface, but not with the root cause. Now, for instance, I'll give you a few scenarios that lead to anger and you can kind of guess what's underneath. Is it hurt, frustration or fear? So first one, you ask someone on a date. Uh, This is someone that you're attracted to and their response is, I don't want to go out with you because I'm just not attracted to you. And so you've been flat out rejected. Now you experience anger. What's going on underneath anger? It's hurt. You feel hurt because you were rejected. All right, second scenario. You're on your way to an appointment and you're running late. Um, You're really normally on time, but the person that you're going with is always late. And so you're running late. And then you hit every red light on the way and you're driving as fast as you can to get, your appoint- get to your appointment on time and you get pulled over by a police officer for speeding and you get a ticket. What do you experience? So anger is on the surface. What's underneath the anger? Frustration. Because of pace of life issues. And I would say pace of life issues tend to be keenly associated with anger. You're frustrated. Another scenario, Uh, it's the middle of the night. It's pitch dark. Suddenly you hear something coming from the living room that's like this loud banging noise, like someone's walking around, bumping into things, like someone's broken into your house. Now, according to the United States Constitution, who's supposed to go check it out, the husband or the wife? (laughs) My wife would say to me, you know, what's that noise? And I would say, I don't hear anything. Although I would have to say that loud enough so that she can hear me over the banging noise. And then she says, you know, I know what it is. I read this story in the news recently about some guy who escaped from prison, you know, some bloodthirsty homicidal maniac has escaped from prison, go check it out. (laughs) Alrighty then, I'll just go down there in my underwear, that'll scare him. And so I get angry because I'm supposed to go see if a convicted felon is roaming around our house. What's underneath the anger? It's fear. So the question is, why am I angry? Now, if you don't ask this, you're dealing with the surface and not with the root. Why am I angry? And then the second question for this phase is, what do I want? Now, this is amazing to me. People get to a certain level of anger and when they get angry enough, This is why stop is so important. When your anger gets to a certain level, it's impossible to de-escalate it. And then your only focus is like, how can I win this argument? Or how can I inflict pain on this other person? And what people forget to ask is, what do I want to accomplish? I'm experiencing fear or frustration or hurt, and I would like to remove it. I would like to remove what's causing that pain, and I wanna do it in a way that's gonna be constructive for me and for other people and honors God. What do I want? All right, we'll look at the next three steps in the process of managing anger in just a moment.
1: When I was little and in elementary school, we learned a lot about two topics, how to snuff out a fire and how to survive quicksand. All of us probably have memories about student assemblies learning how to stop, drop, and roll. And for me, those assemblies also included things like how to survive quicksand, or because I was in Florida, we also had tornado drills. We spent a lot of time on these things, and I have never once needed to know how to stop, drop, and roll, or how to evade quicksand. But there you go. It seems silly, but the idea of stop, drop, and roll keeps reverberating in my brain as I've been listening to Matt. We as young kids learn this stop, drop, and roll because it's effective and because if on the small chance we actually get caught on fire, we would need something ingrained in us to know what to do when chaos set in. If I caught on fire, my first instinct would be panic. But because my brain has this stop, drop, and roll infused into it, the panic would subside and this thing I learned would take over. Some of us today need to learn a stop, drop, and roll for our anger. See, we've been experiencing the emotion and the chaos of being angry, and we don't have an arguably funny or kitschy line drilled into our heads that help us walk through the emotion. God is described in Exodus 34, 6 as a God who is compassionate and gracious, a God who is overflowing with love and faithfulness, and the author of Exodus adds that this God is a God who is slow to anger. In the midst of the Exodus story, in the midst of the Israelites' disobedience and destruction, in the midst of their bad choices and their complaints, God who is all-knowing, all-seeing, all-powerful, the God who could just wipe them from the earth and start over with a different chosen people is a God whose anger is slow. God's anger was slow, and throughout the Exodus story, we see God giving people time to change, And we hopefully desire to reflect the characteristics of God, and so we should hope to also define our anger in a speed that is slow. So in order to be a people of slow anger, we need to stop, drop, and roll. Matt's encouraged us in moments of anger to stop and ask, and he's going to give us three more action items that we can engage in when our anger sparks. I encourage you to do two things this week to spend some time in Exodus, reading about a God who is slow to anger. And I encourage you to write and memorize your stop, drop, and roll for anger. Pick three or four other things that Matt shows us and then make that your response to when anger erupts. Let's, as a community, be a people with a plan and a plan to be slow in our anger. Let's rejoin Matt and find out what the last three steps are.
0: All right, so the first step to manage anger is you must stop. The second step is you must ask two questions. Why am I angry? Anger is generally the result of hurt, frustration, or fear. And what do I want? How can I go about achieving the outcome that I want? Okay, the third step in a word is listen. And this has to do with learning to empathize with other people. It has to do with a commitment to understand other people. So first you stop. Then you ask yourself, why am I angry? What do I want? And then you seek to put yourself in a place of the other person, because most often anger involves another person. It doesn't mean you justify everything they're doing, but it means you make an honest attempt to understand them. And again, this comes right from the writers of scripture, James one, my dear brothers and sisters take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, because human anger does not produce the righteousness that God desires. Generally, human anger, when it's cut off from God's power and God's wisdom, does destructive things. Now, this statement from James is very insightful. There are three things, listening, speaking, and getting angry. Generally, the angrier you you are, the more you wanna talk and the less you wanna listen. And here's the way the logic works according to James. If you're quick to listen and slow to speak, you'll be slow to anger. And the reverse is also true. If you're quick to jump in and you're not very good at listening, you'll be quick to be angry. You must cultivate the habit of listening. Like most angry or hostile people are not good listeners. Have you ever been in a relationship with someone who loves to finish your sentences? Uh, George Will was in a debate with William Buckley one time, and Buckley kept cutting in on him. And so finally he said, I am the world's foremost expert on how I want to finish my sentences. (laughs) When you begin to get angry, you most likely start to think about what you can say to win the argument or what you can say to wound the other person instead of doing that. Focus on what the other person is saying and seek to understand them. Another wonderful statement from the writer of Proverbs, Proverbs seventeen twenty-eight: Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent and discerning if they hold their tongues. Even fools seem smart when they're quiet. I mean, this is just profound wisdom from the writer of Proverbs. Okay, first of all, stop. Then you ask, why am I angry? What do I want? Then you listen. Next, you rethink. You rethink. And this is very important. We often think of anger management in this way. You know, once I'm angry, once I'm fired up, I need to be careful about how to express it. And that's important. Once you're angry, then you have to be careful about expression. But there's a far more powerful place to intervene in dealing with anger, and that is before you feel angry. Before the gauge reads red hot, there are certain thoughts that lead to anger. You know, people with habitual experiences of anger, uh, anger management problems, are people who habitually tend to think hostile, cynical thoughts about other people. So to become an expert at managing anger, you must become aware of your thoughts, which produce the feelings of anger, and learn to rethink, to, to think different thoughts because your thoughts are what lead you to anger. Let me give you an example of this. It's 11 o'clock at night. My child gets out of bed cautiously, tentatively, comes down the hallway, violating curfew. However, I'm relaxed. I've got nothing to do, nowhere to go. And so I think a series of thoughts as I watch him come down the hallway. Look at this wonderful little boy. Only a few more years to enjoy Kodak moments like this, and then he'll be grown. How brave and adventurous he is, you know, risking punishment to explore the unknown world of the night. He's just like his father. Now, another night, same time, same child, same father, identical setting, but this time it's at the end of a long, stressful day, and I still have to put together a stupid message on anger before I go to bed and the same little boy comes down the hallway, this time I have a different series of thoughts. Only a few precious moments to get my work done, and this kid can't stay in bed. Sure, sneak down the hallway, go ahead, make my day. The question you gotta ask yourself is, do I feel lucky? How rebellious and disobedient he is defying parental authority ordained by God because of his relativistic narcissism. He doesn't get that from me a series of thoughts, they lead to feelings, and they generally lead to action. Now, notice the external situation is identical in both cases. It's my thoughts that either lead to anger or lead away from anger. Now, I wanna be real clear about this. This does not mean that you should never experience anger. This is very, very important. If you're with a person who is abusive to you or a person who is deliberately attacking or wounding you, then you will most likely think thoughts that will lead to angry feelings. Those thoughts are right on target. They're accurate thoughts. Sometimes you think thoughts that lead to anger because you're the victim or others are the victims of unjust treatment. It's important to think thoughts that lead to angry feelings when something like that happens. Sometimes you should be angry. People do things and the response is very appropriately and accurately thoughts and feelings that involve anger. The other person warrants it. But you still have to decide. Like, how am I going to express it? What do I want? But here's the deal. Very often I feel anger because I'm thinking distorted, hostile, or cynical thoughts. And the writers of scripture have a lot to say about that. In Paul's letter to the church at Philippi, he says, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. So just kind of scroll through this last week in your mind, like, did you entertain any thoughts that were not true or noble or right or pure or lovely or admirable? Did you have any thoughts that didn't fit into one of those categories? Paul says, don't ever stop thinking about what is truly worthwhile and worthy of praise. Why? Because your thoughts lead to what you feel and that leads to how you live because your mind is such a critically important part of determining what you think and feel, and as a result, what you say and do. Okay, so first, you stop, delay response. Don't do what you used to do that doesn't work. And then you ask, why am I angry? What do I want the outcome of this to be? And then you listen, you empathize with the other person. And then you need to rethink You need to be aware of what thoughts led you to anger and begin to think other thoughts. For instance, one expert says people who get so angry when they're driving, if you could listen to their thoughts, they're things like those inconsiderate, selfish, awful people. And their thoughts just lead to fury on the road. And so this expert said you need to think things like when you look at other drivers and other cars, say to yourself, there goes my mother. (laughs) Now you may have mom issues and that would lead lead you to get angrier maybe. And so maybe you need to substitute the appropriate person. You know, there goes someone I love. And if you say there goes someone I love, you'll find yourself experiencing different feelings. Why? Because you rethought. It's terribly important to gain control of what you're thinking. Hostile, cynical thoughts become so automatic that uh, people aren't even aware of them anymore. And there's another statement in the Bible in the Old Testament that goes kind of like this, for as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. As a person thinks, like their deepest self, it leads to who they actually become. So stop, ask, listen, rethink, and then the fifth step is go. The picture here is a green light. And the idea is to take appropriate action. When you've done the first four steps, then take appropriate action. Again, this is so important. To manage anger does not mean to swallow it. It does not mean to do nothing. Ephesians 4:26, Paul says, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. After you've stopped, you've taken time, you've cooled down, after you've asked why and what do I want, after you've listened, put yourself in the other person's place, after you've rethought, you know, refocused your mind and developed an appropriate strategy, make sure you follow through. Because here's what happens. Many people only have two gears. One of them is they really get mad and then they can say anything or they can do anything they want. They can just let it fly. But then when they cool down, they avoid confrontation or they avoid difficult steps because it's just unpleasant. They don't do anything to correct what the anger was about. They never actually move to take action about the hurt or the frustration or the fear. Remember, anger is a signal for action. Maybe you need to deal with your own distorted thoughts. Maybe that's what you need to do. And the action then would be internal but there's a good chance you need to deal with the person you're angry with. Like you probably need to have a conversation. Well, make sure you do that. Make sure you push the start button, go. So we need to stop, ask, listen, rethink, and go. Let's make this week an experiment in anger management. Look forward to opportunities to test this out. You know, when those feelings of anger come, see them as an opportunity for you to grow in the area of managing anger. All right, let me pray for you. God, I pray that you would help us this week as anger surfaces in our lives, which it most likely will, to remember these five steps and to actually live them out, to see the anger this week as an opportunity to practice managing our anger in a healthy way, in a way that honors you, in a way that um, helps us to grow spiritually, in a way that's uh, respectful to the people who we're interacting with. God, would you just use this process to, uh, to shape us and form us and to help us to become more of the kind of people that you want us to be. And I ask this in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, once again, thanks for listening. We hope you found something in this week's message to take away and apply to your life this week. Uh, If you live in the Bay Area, we would love to have you join us for one of our weekend services. Uh, For directions or information about what we have for you or your family, your students, you can go to blueoaks.church or download the app today. And we hope to see you on Sunday soon.